0: i uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: Doctor's Companion presents Doctor Who The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one Doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli.
0: I'm Cassandra Fredrickson.
1: And I'm Nick Jimenez. Today on the show, we are discussing Father's Day, which is the ninth Doctor's seventh story. And, uh, of course, Father's Day comes to us from writer Paul Cornell. And um, this was his uh, first of, I believe... Two? How many stories did he end up writing? Just two, right?
0: Uh, What's the other one?
1: The Human Nature, Family of Blood.
0: Oh, shoot. Yes, uh, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that is. That's yeah. it. So, um,
1: somehow, Paul Cornell has only written two episodes of Doctor Who, which seems absolutely and completely insane. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's only written two, and this is one of them. Uh, Paul Cornell, of course at the time, was most well known for basically uh, just writing the hell out of the Doctor Who novels that were happening uh, during the wilderness years, which of course is uh, 1989 to 2003. He had written several stories uh, in the New Adventures range from Virgin Publishing, uh, along with stories from uh, The Missing Adventures. He uh, created Benny Summerfield, uh, a uh, c- a companion during this era who would then go on to star in her own series of books and audio plays because she was so popular uh, and then eventually made it into uh, Big Finish Stories and also has her own line as the main character of a series of Big Finish Stories. Uh, he also wrote, of course, the um, highly acclaimed human nature novel, Uh, which was, uh, at the time, a seventh Doctor story Hmm. and uh, would later be adapted into a tenth Doctor story in season three. And uh, he uh, just overall had really become sort of like the Doctor Who guy. He was kind of like the um, unofficial showrunner of the wilderness years uh, because he had just – his books were so good and people really liked him a lot that he just sort of was leading the fray um, in in terms of uh, uh, this, the, the, all of the uh, Doctor Who novels and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of a combination of him and uh, the Big Finish Gang uh, before they uh, eventually joined forces. Um, he also – he was so well known for Doctor Who during this time that uh, in 2003 – when uh, the BBC decided that they were going to continue Doctor Who uh, as an animated series, uh, he was asked to showrun the animated series. Uh, and it was, this was going to be – BBC wanted to basically launch their, uh, web, their like, web content. And so um, they created an animated web series uh, that was going to be The Ninth Doctor uh, and the Ninth Doctor was played by Richard E. Grant. and Whoa. And uh, 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 the story, the, the initial story was called The Scream of the Shalka. And uh, this was actually released um, and was meant to be the spearhead of an ongoing series, uh, except Russell T. Davies showed up and was like, hey, I want to relaunch Doctor Who. The and they're like, oh, OK, great. And they just canceled it, uh, um, so <laughs> so there's only one uh, there's only one animated adventure with the uh, Richard E. Grant Ninth Doctor, and that is the Scream of the Shalka, uh, which uh, we should probably cover at some point just for funsies.
2: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but uh, but yeah, so that that exists, uh, but that was the only thing uh, that exists from this sort of like lost era of uh, of Doctor Who. Uh, Because Russell T. Davies took over the show. And of course, Russell T. Davies knew full well all about Paul Cornell and uh, wanted to make sure that as a way of like, one, Paul Cornell being an incredible writer, um, but two, wanting to show respect to the wilderness years and uh, the man who sort of kept the, the Doctor Who train moving uh, during this time, right. um, he wanted to sort of like you know make a bridge to those fans, uh, and so he invited him to write an episode of the show. Now, what I find interesting about about this era, like the Russell T Davies era of the show, now I don't I don't know entirely how the production or or uh, the production of scripts worked during the Moffat era, but in the Russell T Davies era, I think the thing that I find really interesting is that. Uh, there are there were very few. Uh, I think I think maybe just Stephen Moffat. Uh, there were very few writers who were allowed to just write whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like yeah, here free reign. Why, write what you want. Um, what was actually happening was that Russell T Davies was uh, when when he would go in with a full season of stories. He would present all of the stories. Like, he would write basically like a treatment for the season, and it would be broken down into episodes. And they would all be sort of like episode ideas. And those were what he would give to writers. So he would find a sort of pool of writers, and he would be like, which of these stories is most interesting to you? And they would choose one. And then they would sort of write their version of his idea. So it wasn't like a full outline. It was just like a, basically like a concept. It was like a paragraph concept, and that was it. Um, and so they would take that and then they would run with it and, uh, write their episode, which I think is really interesting and explains a lot about how structured the, uh, uh, Russell T Davies era is as far Mm -hmm. as it all feels like Russell T Davies, even when he's not writing the show. Um, and the, the seasons themselves have that, they, they uphold that like very like rigid structure as far as like. Uh, you know, a present day episode followed by a day, uh, an episode in the future followed by an episode in the past followed by, you know, followed by a two-parter. And it's right. like, <laughs> there's a very a very, very strong structure to his seasons, and it turns out that this is why, because he uh, would uh, write these outlines before like, before the, the even hiring the writers. um, And so one of those episodes was called in this first season was called Rose's Father and uh, uh, it would be Uh, uh, It would feature Rose repeatedly observing her dad's death in 1987, while the Doctor in 2005 hears the chronicle of the man's life from uh, Jackie. And um, it was meant to be a very cheap episode to produce. No effects whatsoever, um, or at least extremely minimal effects, and uh, just be predominantly a character piece. But when he presented it to Paul Cornell, the first thing that he did was like, this needs a monster. Mm -hmm. Um, Which worked out because the head of drama, Jane Tranter, uh, was actually complaining to Davies that there was a lack of monsters in uh, this season. So to keep costs down, Cornell uh, originally envisioned the Time Reapers to actually be like the traditional cowl and scythe Grim Reaper look. (laughs) um which i actually think would have worked out better now granted i really like the design of the um of the reapers in this story but the cgi doesn't hold up at all um no. even a little bit uh it it's actually really bad um but like i like the design of the creatures i think they're scary but i don't i don't think i i really like the idea of the grim reaper introducing the idea of a grim reaper being th- this thing that protects time and when you save someone who's supposed to die the grim reaper shows up like i think that's interesting like i like i like that as like yeah. that feels very doctor who to me mm-hmm. Um, explaining something that never needed explaining. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's very Doctor Who to me. Uh, and and so um, I really like that idea. So I actually think it's kind of uh, unfortunate that they ended up uh, changing it because I think the idea of like a Grim Reaper just like walking around in the background or just like, you know, holding a, a, a scythe and just like staring um, <laughs> is, I think that could have been like pretty creepy. Drinking um, a little pina colada. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, I guess I'm on vacation. Uh, hmm. Since we're just not letting people die anymore. Great. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, so uh they ended up changing this to more of a, a traditional monster um and uh uh using uh CG effects and everything. Um eventually this episode was titled Wounded Time. Um, and then, uh, changed again right before the season began in February of 2005 to Father's Day. Um, and that's, uh, that's how we ended up, uh, where we ended up with this story. Um, so, you know, we don't, we don't do, uh, recaps for the, the new Who episodes cause we kind of assume that everyone has seen them and has access to them and has watched them. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh I don't know I just want to get right into it because I think that Father's Day is I mean it's one of the best episodes of Doctor Who which is uh kind of uh, uh crazy considering like how early this was and watching it now I was just kind of struck by how cheap it is you know like it's not a lot mm. happens in this but then like everything happens in this and yeah. it's it's just this really Special episode, like I don't know that there's any other. Is there any other Doctor Who episode that's anything like this?
0: Um,
2: you know, I it, it's funny. Uh, l- uh, l- listening to you, I-, I was reminded of I don't know, like the it is such a small episode, but it is also like just really human and big-hearted. And when I think about how bombastic and operatic, and like the lengths that Stephen Moffat would go to generate emotion and and pathos and mm-hmm. just how how effortless effortlessly uh the paul cornell's able to do it within this episode i don't know it, it, it just it uh it's interesting yeah i don't think the show's ever dared to get this simple again or the small again because
0: mm-hmm. the stakes um are not very large in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of everything but they are like i don't know it's 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 a big deal for for rose and then for the doctor too because the doctor cares about rose so yeah i like that um the dichotomy of like how personal it is Mm -hmm. i don't know that's kind of like my favorite sort of story is like it's a very personal story but the stakes and the stakes are very like low in like the universal scheme of things but it's like enormous in the characters world yeah Yeah.
2: because that because that's what keeps the audience coming back more so than like oh no time's gonna fold in on itself again yeah yeah
1: it's kind of the most back to the future that Doctor Who has ever gotten, <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah, just sort of in terms of like how it's not an end of the world story, it's just like it, it, very small stakes, uh, yeah, is, yeah,
2: and, and yeah, I'm uh, dealing with very universal like human which which is why I think it is so easy to to empathize with Rose in this episode, even if you know she makes uh time mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's, it's also, it has
1: like a sort of a thesis statement, which I think is really interesting. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, 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 the whole episode is about how, you know, she was, she's like too afraid to be with her father when he's dying, you know, and like to the point where she bails the first time and then she just saves him the second time. And then it's, like, finally, like, at the end of the episode, she finally, like, can go and be with and him. And
0: accepts it, yeah.
1: Yeah, and accept it, exactly. So, like, it's just, it's, like, it's really interesting that that's, like, what the actual episode is about. Is, is her finally uh, uh, gaining the, the, I don't know if courage is the right word, but the forti- fortitude, maybe? Gaining sure, the yeah. fortitude to actually do what she came there to do. Which is just be with him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and uh, I think that that makes this episode really special. Um, I, I just uh, yeah, it it it's absolutely mind-boggling to me that Paul Cornell has never been invited back.
0: Do you, is that just because like it never worked out or like no? I know- he
1: was never. He was never. Uh, invited back. He's talked about this on Twitter before. People are like, hey, why haven't you written any Doctor Who episodes? He's like, because they haven't invited me. No one contacts me.
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah, like throughout the Moffat era, like Moffat never reached out to him. Um, And, you know, it was, uh, you know, maybe he was too busy to do an episode every season. And that's why he's only in, you know, season one and season three of the the Davies era. But Mm -hmm. Moffat never reached out to him. Um, and uh you know, I don't think Chibnall has reached out to him, so it's just like I don't know what these people are thinking, like bring back Paul Cornell <laughs> right, <laughs> uh man, it's insane, um yeah, so okay, so going- going into uh the actual like meat of this episode, I love. Um, I love that the I love the two sets of uh, Doctor Rose bit, and I I really I I'm like kind of fascinated by when Rose runs past them to save her dad. The first set disappears, mm-hmm. you know, like it like just that the idea of just like well they they can't exist because that's not what happened when they were there. Um, it's just I don't know. Time travel is <laughs>
2: funky. I love that. Yeah, and. Man, boy, like half a second is not wasted on on that ob- obliterated Doctor and Rose. Yeah, I know. The Doctor's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, no, it's great. I will uh, say,
1: I, I found myself wondering why the Doctor was helping with this without any rules. Like, he wasn't providing her any rules.
2: Oh, I love that. I, I, I actually, I don't know, there was something very romantic to me almost about the very beginning when he's like, no, your wish is my command, whatever you want. Because he like trusts her enough to like let her make the mistake to an extent. Yeah. And then and then, you know, he 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 gets you know he he reacts to what he thinks is a betrayal. But I, I don't know. Something about how game he was was just really like, oh he really he really already like loves her a lot. Yeah. I
1: guess that's true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um he still calls her a stupid
1: ape though. Yeah.
0: He he's like almost setting her up for failure though. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you don't give her any rules, like how is she supposed to know that she can't do that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um cuz like her thought process as she explains to him is uh, you know, hey, like I <laughs> you know, he's he's in the grand scheme of things, he's pretty meaningless. Like what what's the harm? You know? Mm-hmm. Um and and she doesn't understand that uh uh there's a lot of harm that can happen, but she would have understood had he um, explained it to her. Like said yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah, literally anything. Like, hey, so, you might think about saving your dad. Please don't do that because X, Y, Z. Yeah,
2: like did he know that the Reapers existed? Or was this like a discovery for him? Like, whoa, what? What are these things? I, ca- I already well- can't <laughs> the The argument could be made
1: that he does know because the uh, the Reapers are actually in or a version of the Reapers or something like that are in Storm Warning, the episode that we uh, listened oh. to the first Eighth Doctor story. Because oh, yeah,
0: what is what are they called? Like something sores.
1: Yeah. So H- yeah, H- Hort- I forget Hortosaurs? what they're. Yeah, something like that. But they're 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 very similar. They're they're flying beasts that uh, get mad when you mess when you save people who are supposed to die.
2: Oh, like Charlie? Yes,
1: exactly, exactly.
2: Um, It was on a dirigible. If 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 any if our listeners need any reason to check that one out, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: But yeah, I just I really like
2: uh, I really like that
1: he you know, the doctor feels so betrayed. He feels used. You know, there's that moment where he says, um, uh, you said, when I said that I had a machine that's traveled in space, you didn't want to travel with me. When I said that it traveled in time, you did. Mm. And she was like, no, it's it's not like I was planning anything. And it's just like, you know, he's starting to like, think back, like, was this always the plan? Is this what she was always planning on doing was saving mm. her dad? Was she using me? <laughs> um, and I just, I think that that's, it it's interesting to see the doctor be so hurt. Like yeah. You know, he he feels like he's been
2: taken advantage of. Yeah. He mm-hmm. kind of reminds and me of like, the think, beast. The beast? I don't know, just like these extreme emotional like no, oh, you were planning this sort or of, like Phantom of the Opera. I don't know, <laughs> just like <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Okay.
0: <laughs> Well I mean he like he like trusts her so implicitly and then like mm-hmm. now he's just like oh no I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have been vulnerable with this person.
2: This ape. <laughs> this stupid ape. <laughs>
1: um <laughs> Uh yeah. So I um uh what what do we think about Rose's dad? Like the the, the sort of this I, I find the revelation that he's kind of a loser
2: really interesting. It makes perfect sense to me that this guy plus Jackie equals Rose mm-hmm. <laughs> because like his like Jackie, like their his decency is is pretty apparent early on in the episode, like, oh, this is a, a good person, he's just kind of a schmuck, yeah, just just like, oh, like you can tell that Jackie is like you know loves Rose and is a good mom, but she can just be also kind of like, I don't know, Jackie,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: and then Rose gets like the best parts of both of them and becomes Rose, yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. Um I, I uh I Oh, go ahead, Cass.
0: Oh, I think that's in keeping with like how we remember people versus mm-hmm. how they actually are. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. There's been a lot of death in my family in the past 5 years, so like we're all like I don't know. You you have this 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 um this image of the person in in your head as they existed to you and then but that's not anything how that person actually existed. You know, yeah,
2: yeah. Like one of my, I think one of the most poignant scenes in the episode is when Rose is describing to her dad his memory of her. Like, oh, he was always so reliable. He was always there for me, and he's like, "That's not me. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not the person you just described. Like, that's not who I am." And that's so bizarre, but it's so true. Like, we are different. The the people that lit we are inside of our own heads is often very different than who we are to our most loved people.
1: Yeah. Right
2: yeah i uh what do we think about
1: him possibly like do you think that he was cheating on jackie or do you think he's just such a doofus that he just keeps finding himself in these situations like Uh, do you think that jackie is sort of just jumping down his throat at at any little uh perceived transgression or do you think he's actually transgressing
2: no, I don't really. I can't really see anything in the episode that stuck out to me as like, oh, this kid's kind of a cad, you know. Well, he does try to hit on his daughter.
0: <laughs> does oh, well? When? Does that change? Does that change the, the, the audience? The, the, is... the Bermuda,
1: the Bermuda Triangle conversation.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. When he when he tries to hit on her, and he's like, she's like, no, no. As far as you're concerned, I that that is the Bermuda Triangle.
2: <laughs> oh not... I, I took that to I th- I took that to mean her sexual her her sex life. Is like you I that's what I I don't know. It's probably wrong, Oh no, but...
1: he says if I had if I had a girl like you
0: Yeah, he goes he to call like, her cute uh... or something and she's just like oh yeah, uh-huh. okay. no no no
2: <laughs> No no no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well then well then yeah, he one hundred percent cheated on Jackie. Does oh.
0: does that change <laughs> Does that change the audience's perception of 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 him though, like I don't know does does that change our moral judgment of of her dad uh, or?
2: I guess like his he he's ultimately remembered as 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 a man both both flawed and blessed. So it's like you know if he if he had like yeah that's a pretty major indiscretion but like it he's presented as a human just like very average and yeah so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it would change my opinion either way. Hmm. You get hit by a car. <laughs> yeah.
1: He did. He did get hit by a car. Speaking of cars, I like when uh when Rose and her dad are driving together and uh they're they're playing uh like it it's the, the song that's playing is like the Rick Roll song, um Never Gonna Give You Up. And I and I think that's funny for multiple reasons. One because you know that's kind of what this the episode is yeah. about is never sure. going to give you up uh, but never going to let also, you down yeah or dessert but you. also also um uh uh that the fact that like this whole thing was kind of a rickroll like it's just like <laughs> <laughs> it's just sort of like ah you thought you saved your dad but no you didn't sorry yeah <laughs> womp womp um but uh yeah um i thought that was interesting that that was playing in the car um yeah uh, so what I I so one thing that I thought was I I thought I thought of while watching this that I feel like is kind of a missed opportunity um like I know that they make the joke in the episode about like uh, like oh we named the dog Rose um but it would have been really interesting if the um rise of the Cybermen age of steel two parter that alternate universe had mm-hmm. been caused because she saved her dad like it was like it would have been like like if it was like the version of events that happened because she saved
2: her dad. Oh. That'd have been interesting, for sure. Like yeah. Some, some some connective tissue. Right, right. Where it's like it's like, yeah,
1: you put this you you fixed things or your dad fixed things, as the case may be. Um, but things were fixed, but that universe didn't cease to exist. Like it still existed somewhere, out there. And this is what happened. Like, this is this was, you know. This is how because of that one thing led to another, and right. this was the universe that happened.
0: Well, yeah. that that would make sense as to why they end up there because it is Ro- it's like Rose's fault that that universe yes. exists in the first place. Yeah, because they never explain how they end up there anyway. The TARDIS just like derp and then just goes to the other universe. So
1: yeah, and I would have felt better about Jackie ending up with that version of her dad. You know, cuz like mm. cuz like right? Like eventually like when that happens um cuz that does happen, right? Doesn't yeah. that
0: happen? Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. When that happens, it's sort of this thing where it's like, "Oh, his like his like crappy version of Jackie died." <laughs> <laughs> and and he ended up with like the better, cooler version of Jackie. <laughs> but like like it would have been plus. better if if it, it would have been like more uh uh i guess uh i don't know poignant you know that like she's getting she is getting her husband back it's it's not like it's a totally different version of him it's who he would have been had he not ha- had rose successfully saved him from dying
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and and i don't know i feel like that would have been more uh like it, i i just i feel like i would have been more satisfied by them ending up together had that been the case um rather than just like a purely alternate universe yeah hello um yeah <laughs> i don't know um anyway
0: <laughs> i think the thing the thing that i like the most about this episode and this era of the show in general is how um I don't know. I like all the doctor's um, little speeches about how important, like, the ordinary person is,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's kind of like the cornerstone of this era of the show, which I love a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love the particularly the, the speech that he gives to the bride and groom about like their own significance, about mm-hmm. like he he envies them, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, the Moffat era
1: is like, yeah, sure, all humans are important, but this human. This one's really important. <laughs> yeah.
2: And yeah, and, like, and you, you remember Eleven having such contempt for things like laundry or getting married or like ordinary human life. Yeah. Because he That's was going true. through a midlife crisis. That's true.
1: <laughs> He's not into it. You know, something else I, I don't think I ever noticed uh, before, but watching it this time, um, the Reavers eat a lot of children. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, like I was I was I was shocked. I was like, wow. They killed a lot of kids in this. <laughs>
2: yeah, babies.
1: Babies? Yeah. Uh, uh a baby, there was like a toddler uh shoe and then like some kid on a bike. Yeah, a whole like, playground just, disappears. <laughs> yeah, just killed a lot of children, man.
2: Wow. Is this is this one where the dead get like reset or are they dead forever?
1: Uh, they get reset, though, in my mind, the, the, the version of this where um, uh, uh, they, Rose sets up an alternate universe is that all of those people stayed dead, and that was like part of the reason why the universe changed so much.
2: Um, yeah, because I guess they're always going to remember that day. Right. Because like, Jackie's telling the story at the end. Right. Oh,
0: but right. Mickey Mickey still has his grandma in that alternate universe.
2: Right. Or right. Ricky,
0: or oh, whatever his name is. <laughs> right. Right. Gr- Graham died in this. I missed that too. Yeah. When she's pushing him on the swing, unless that's his mom. But like, I thought his grandmother is the one who raised him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, little Mickey, that was, that was funny.
2: Um, the, straight for Rose.
1: Just straight for Rose. She's like, I think I, uh, I, I think I accidentally, what did she say? Oh, um, I
0: think he imprinted on me like a mother. Yeah. <laughs> <he> imprinted
2: <laughs> on me. That was so funny. Poor Mickey. Do you have a boyfriend? Yeah. No. No, not at all. No, no. no one. No one. Never. Never. <laughs> not once. Not close. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's at work being like, oh, yeah, my girl Rose. Yeah, she'll be back soon. My girlfriend Rose. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend
1: Rose. My sweet, beautiful girlfriend Rose. I love her. love her so much. She's
2: perfect. Yeah. She loves me. Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. She loves you, mate. <laughs> oh, oh. oh man she's gone isn't she <laughs>
1: I also, I really love that line where she, he's like, he's like, her dad is going to go explain to Jackie that Rose is their daughter and she stops him and she's like, he's like, what are you afraid to tell people? And she's like, she's not going to get it. She never, she didn't even understand how to program the VCR. And he's like, oh, I showed her that yesterday. And he just literally just looks at him and he's like, all right, point taken. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. This is a this is just a gr- great episode. Um like just absolutely brilliant. Uh I wish this this feels like honestly like I I don't know how well Paul Cornell would have fit into the uh Moffat era, but I would love to see Paul Cornell write for the 13th Doctor. Oh, God, I think yes. I, was, I, was I think he would fit that. right yeah. into that era. Yeah. Um and this, kind of, this kind of story, this sort of like low-key story. And even like even human nature is a pretty low-key story, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um it's I I that kind of story would fit right into that era of the show, I think.
2: Yeah, like maybe that could be the way to fix some of the identity issues that's that that I almost called it season one, but whatever. A had, which is like, yeah, maybe point the lens back down onto Earth. What does like thirteen look like when she's investigating? and helping out with people's lives. I mean, she's so empathetic. She's so much more interested in people than like 11 or even 12 was.
1: Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um but uh anyway, this is uh this 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 is a really really fantastic episode. I think one of the best of the um of uh the new who era. Mm-hmm. Um certainly one of the best of the Russell T Davies era, probably a top 5. Um, for this era, which is really saying something. Ooh, there's some I don't really, know. Some really good think. ones. Yeah.
2: I don't know. That's just for me, I guess. Yeah. But- it's, a, it's a really underrated era of, of, of the show. And I, I guess our, our episode, we, I mean, just say again, like don't skip nine.
1: Well, and mm-hmm. in, in, in just in general, like this episode starts a run of episodes that is like one of the strongest runs in New Who, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, we go from this episode from from uh, uh, Father's Day to the Empty Child, the Doctor Dances to Boomtown to the Dalek two-parter. Like, what a what a run of episodes! <laughs> I mean, right? that's that's nuts. Um, so uh, really, really good. Um, can't say the same about the run of episodes uh, that that the the tenth Doctor is currently in. Um, yeah, but uh, we'll we'll get to that next time. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, this was this is just uh, this is the start of like the end of uh, the ninth Doctor and just a run of really really fantastic episodes that I'm excited to talk about every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, really pumped about this. Um, small uh, 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 small little bit of uh, trivia that uh, uh, maybe not a lot of people will uh, care about, but I do. Um, the concept <laughs> artist for this episode was Brian Hitch. Who, uh, would go on to draw the, uh, the Ultimates comic, um, which, uh, yeah. y- you know, inspired, um, the Avengers and, uh, Black Nick Fury and oh, all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, including, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's, uh, casting because he drew Samuel L. Jackson when he, <laughs> uh, drew, uh, Nick Fury and, uh, that's, that's how, uh, uh Samuel L. Jackson was cast, um. So anyway, Brian Hitch uh, is uh, here's to you, yeah, big time, big time comic book artist, and uh, really kind of changed. He he brought comics single handedly brought comics into the widescreen era in um, the early two thousands. Uh, he was the first one who treated comics like uh um, like a like movie storyboards, and mm. um, changed the sort of like. Storytelling that was happening in uh, in comics, kind of kind of single handedly, weirdly. Um, so anyway, that's Brian right. Hitch is yeah, Brian Hitch is pretty important to uh, the history of comic books. <laughs> um, so he was the concept artist for this episode. Well, let's, which is let's think really our lucky cool.
2: stars that he wasn't hit by a, by hit by a car.
1: Yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's all we got here. Right? Any other? Closing thoughts on, uh, on this particular episode?
0: Uh, this was really hard for me to watch, but I'm glad I rewatched it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, that's not so bad. And then the end like happened and I started bawling like a baby, but I was like, okay, that's fine. It's cathartic. It's good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, it's, uh, just a, it's just a, it's just a damn good episode. Um, Anyway. Um all right. Well that's uh that's Father's Day. Um next time we talk about the Ninth Doctor, it'll be the uh uh Are You My Mummy two parter, which I'm really excited about. About the first time that Moffat wrote uh, for Doctor Who officially. Aw. Yep. Just a baby Doctor Who writer. Stephen I'm Moffitt. <laughs> so uh we'll be talking about that next time when we get to the Ninth Doctor, but um when we return with a new episode, we will be talking about uh the Idiot's Lantern.
0: <sighs>
1: which is yep, cast yeah, <laughs> really summed it up. Um
2: get, get your poppin' circumstance on. Oh boy.
1: Uh so anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh make sure that you check out the Facebook group, the Doctor's Companion Listener Society. Uh talk to us there. Um let's let's uh let's liven things up over there, huh? If you're listening to this. Uh, maybe, uh, go join in there and, uh, talk about, uh, the latest episodes that we're discussing. Um, and then, uh, if you are, uh, wanting, you know, uh, more episodes of, of, uh, TDC or episodes more often, um, or, uh, maybe some bonus content or that sort of thing, uh, you're going to want to go to duelinggenre.com slash support and become a Patreon supporter, uh, because, uh, that, uh, that helps everything run a little more smoothly and, um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, will be able to have, um, more time for, uh, more episodes and things like that if we have a little more support over there. So that's duelinggenre.com slash support, uh, T public stores, duelinggenre.com slash merch. And of course, if you are doing any shopping on Amazon, go to duelinggenre.com slash Amazon and, uh, help us out over there. You just use that link shop as you normally do, and we'll get a little cut of, uh, whatever you buy um, out of Amazon's pocket. So uh, we appreciate everyone who does that. Just, you know, if you have a Amazon book, bookmark, just delete it, type in duelinggenre.com slash Amazon, and then rebookmark it. And then every time you go to Amazon, you'll just automatically be uh, using our link and you won't even know the difference. It's
0: boom. Yeah, great. Easy. The future is now. And how?
1: Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next time with the Idiot's Lantern.